0: I believe in miracles. Oh, where are you from? Oh, you're too kind, you're too kind. Thank you very much. Morning, everyone. Yeah, that woke you up, didn't it? Anyway. All right, that was the fun out of the way. Now to the serious stuff. Good morning, if you don't know me. I'm Nigel, and yeah, I am preaching. And we're going to be, I'm going to be sharing with you about Jesus, the miracle worker, looking at the miracles of Jesus. I'm going to be doing a bit of a teaching in that I want to explain a little bit around what are miracles, why did Jesus do them and actually more importantly what do miracles show us about who Jesus is and how do we respond to Jesus in light of that and we're going to have an opportunity just to be worshipping such a sense of the presence of God. We're going to take some time as well just to enter back into that in terms of wanting to respond to God, to be open to what his spirit is wanting to do to us today. So I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter eight, but it won't be coming up. And that's all right. I'm just going to read something to you and I want you to listen. I'm going to do that in a minute. And we're just going to look at a number of amazing sort of flow of healings and supernatural stuff going on. So Jesus, this was said about Peter in uh, the book of Acts when he was preaching on Pentecost. He said, fellow Israelites, listen To this, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Jesus' supernatural ministry, doing miraculous things, provoked an amazing array of questions and responses to these events. It provoked amazement, joy, wonder, awe. Lots of good stuff, worshipping God, people putting their faith in Jesus, but it also provoked a response of cynicism, disbelief, and also, yeah, even hatred, people being terrified of Jesus. And uh, I read the Gospels every day. I'm always in a Gospel somewhere. Jesus is always up to stuff. And maybe you could just get really familiar with, oh, Jesus went around He prayed for someone, they were healed or whatever. A huge amount of the Gospels carries this sort of miraculous work of Jesus, So I'm going to read to you um, in Matthew 8. And there's a couple of things I just want you to listen out for as I'm reading. Um, Listen out for faith. Um, Where is faith going on? Faith is the belief in God, the belief in Jesus. And faith is so key to the miraculous. Um, Just sort of here as the different kind of stories are described, different episodes that we go through. Another one is authority. Where is the authority going on? You'll hear that being talked about a number of times. And also the responses, what are the different responses to what happens when Jesus performs these miracles? So I'm going to start at the beginning of Matthew 8. Hold on to your hats. Here we go. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourselves to the priest and offer the gift of Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And then when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion, that's a Roman centurion, came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I'll go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go and he goes. And that one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go. It will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Jesus then got into a boat where his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side of the lake, in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic man lying on a mat. Then Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. I'm reading it pretty much just how it's risen. It carries on in, in chapter 9. Chapters 8 and 9 are just this incredible, action-packed scenes of just Jesus going around, healing, miraculous stuff happening all the time. It's exciting stuff. So what are Miracles. What are, what's going on? We, we talk about them all the time, a bit casually. Oh, I could do with a real miracle at work today. Or maybe some football team needs a real miracle to avoid relegation. No, they don't. They just need to score goals and not concede any. It's not actually miraculous. We, we use the kind of miracle term easily. But actually, the miracles are simply uh, something that is unexplained by natural or scientific causes. It can only be described as sort of divine, a happening that can't be... Worked out any other way. We would see that there'd be a kind of grace there. There's lots of supernatural events that go on. God is a supernatural God. There's prophecy. There's words of noise. There's all sorts of things that supernaturally happen. But miracles seem to involve a different place. They're a, a grace of God. Really simply, we can't do miracles. The whole point of them being miraculous is they are other. It can only be down to a sort of divine agency, a work of God that we can't control. So I just want to look at why did Jesus do miracles? Why was that such a thing for him? Couldn't he have just gone around and taught people saying, repent, kingdom of God's coming, get ready, follow me. But he seemed to do a lot of these miracles as well. Why was it that happened? There's a number of reasons why I think. The first one is this, they demonstrate his message. They demonstrate the kingdom of God and what it looks like. When Jesus proclaims Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying, it's near, it's in me. Actually, you can see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a real thing. In Luke 11:20, 20, it says, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Jesus isn't just talking the talk, he's walking the walk. He's talking about it, and then he's demonstrating it and showing it. Unfortunately for us, much of our Christianity, we're good at the talky bit. Thank you very much. The the walky bit, that's a bit harder to do. That's the power business. That's the real stuff. That's the actual kingdom of God breaking into our midst. With Jesus, he was embodying the kingdom and what it looked like. And as he performed miracles, the kingdom of God was breaking in. There was a demonstration of the power of the kingdom. Jesus, the Messiah or anointed one, was carrying the power of the Spirit. Now, um, with miracles, Jesus wasn't the exclusive miracle person. We read about lots of miracles in the Bible. In the Old Testament, prophets, anointed people would do supernatural wonders and miracles. People like Elijah and Elisha did incredible stuff. Stopping it rain, raising dead people, multiplication, all loads of stuff. So Jesus wasn't just sort of the exclusive miracle person. Actually, he was in a tradition of anointed people that God used to bring. That's why some people thought in the question, who is Jesus? Well, we think he's a prophet like those guys. He's carrying something. He's able to do miraculous stuff. But Jesus demonstrated his kingdom message by backing it up with power of seeing the kingdom come. Another reason he did it, really simple, we had compassion on them. When he met people, many times the gospel give accounts where he has moved with compassion towards people. We see it in the leper who comes down, kneels at his feet. If you are willing, and Jesus said, of course I'm willing, touched him, be healed. Jesus shows incredible compassion to people, even to the centurion. The Romans were oppressing the people of Israel. They were the baddies. Jesus says, sure, I'll go to your home. Actually, you don't need to, the centurion says. And he's commended for his faith, this understanding that Jesus had authority to heal because of who he was. The centurion saw something that Jesus really said many people in Israel have not seen and yet this guy has seen it. He gets it of Jesus carrying authority. So Jesus demonstrates his message. Jesus has compassion on people. Is moved by them. I don't think God is just sort of up there just kind of bored. Jesus... is compassionate God shows us the heart of God towards people it's a favor towards people it's a for you not against you kind of God and so many times when we approach sort of things around healing or miracles we can often feel the opposite that if God loved me really he'd do all this stuff and it can feel very difficult even confused it's a tension we have to manage but this shows us time and time again Jesus has compassion on people and meets them in their need the third one is it, it demonstrates something of the reality of the kingdom of God as, as a future reality. It's not like, oh, we're just having a bit of fun here. This feels better now. I'll do a miracle. But Jesus is saying when he performs a miracle, when, when the kingdom of God breaks in, it's actually a future thing, a future reality that is breaking into our now. Now, here's a, a quote from an American uh, theologian, Pastor Tim Keller. This is what he says about the kingdom. We modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order, but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. The Bible tells us that God did not originally make the world to have disease, hunger and death in it, but Jesus has come to redeem where it's wrong and heal the world where it's broken. His miracles are not just proofs that he has power, but also wonderful foretaste of what he's going to do with that power. Jesus' miracles are not just a challenge to our minds, but a promise to our hearts. That the world we all want is coming it's a future looking thing breaking in now the the future reality of the kingdom in our midst It's again a sign in the gospels some of the writers use the word dunamis that it means power to describe miracles but in the gospel of john he uses the word signs instead these miracles point to something they're not just in and of themselves they point to god they point to something other, something more that can be contained. Miracles are like this explosion of creative energy, of life, of the kingdom of God breaking in powerfully, messing everything up, and yet at the same time putting things right. And that's how Jesus sees it as it comes. It's the kingdom of God is upon you. The things that we long for, the kingdom where there will be no healing, no sickness, no disease, no evil, is already appearing, manifesting. Now in our midst. Another reason that Jesus, I think, did miracles was that it helped people believe. We as people who have faith in Jesus, we need help believing. Faith is such a key part of how Jesus is able to operate. And again, in the Gospel, some of the times, there wasn't very much faith, especially in his hometown, to be able to perform miracles. Faith always needs to be in operation. And actually, miracles are a sign that help you to believe. When Lazarus is raised... In the Gospel of John, from the dead, He said many people then put their faith in Jesus. They saw the miraculous power of God and then said, okay, you are who you are. Jesus, I believe in you and I'm going to follow you. For us, again, miracles are a sign and help people believe who Jesus is. So what do miracles show us about Jesus? Um, we're going to look at a couple of things here. Jesus was a rather unique person. And people say, okay, you just need to do what Jesus does. It's, that's a bit tricky, actually, because... There's a lot of unique things about him that actually we can't do. For example, he had a miraculous birth. That's the start. He had a miraculous ending when he was brought back from death to life, to resurrection life. That's a tricky gig. None of us are able to do that. There's something, the miraculous was around Jesus' life in a profound way. We have to hold attention that is well known to many of us, this uh, idea that Jesus is fully man and fully God, fully divine fully Godlike and fully human, but we need to be careful that if we don't hold it in tension, we can often veer to one or the other. In fact, it can often feel easier to re- to kind of relate to Jesus as the nice man with the good teaching who's kind to everyone and lovely than to Jesus the Son of God, the Lord of all. It, it, it goes into a different direction in fact we've acknowledged many people would acknowledge Jesus existed and maybe a really good moral teacher, but to claim that he's divine, the son of God, then you have to do something with that. You see, God didn't, Jesus didn't go around just sort of zapping everyone, like, oh, I could really do with a cup of tea, zap. Okay, my cup of tea. He didn't sort of dine out on being divine like that. He just, well, he just had an easy gig because he was God. He could just do anything, get what you want, zap, there we go. It didn't work like that. Yes, he was fully God, and yet He emptied himself, it says in Philippians 2, that he emptied himself and in doing so became the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He became fully man in that he existed in a body that got tired and sleepy and hungry. He existed with emotions of the highs, the lows, everything that you experience, he experienced and yet was still fully God. But one of the things was he didn't sin because he was held in this perfect relationship With God, A number of times the New Testament writers explore that, saying he was without sin as a great high priest. He was able to bring us to God perfect because he didn't sin. And yet he was fully dependent on his relationship with God the Father and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't do anything without them. And so we have to hold this tension, and it's really important we do. Otherwise we get a misguided view on who Jesus is. You can get actually a misguided view on what it means for us to follow Jesus. We can sort of dismiss it, oh, oh well, he was just like the super, super dude. I could never do any of that. Well, actually, there's a place we need to be living spirit-empowered lives, independence on the Father, only doing what the Father sees. So here's a couple of other things that these miracles, these works that Jesus would do would show us. And the first one is that it shows us that he's the Messiah. We read it in um, Matthew 8, verse 16. It says this, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to Jesus, and he drove out the spirits with the word, and he healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what has been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. That was from Isaiah 53. It talks about the suffering servant. Jesus understood that he was the Messiah. And so he was enacting out and being the Messiah. And his miracles prove that. In fact, when his disciples, the disciples of John came to him, kind of querying, are you the one? Then his answer to John's disciples was simple. Well, I'm healing the sick, the lame are walking, the blind are now seeing, the good news is being proclaimed. Actually, he's, he's messiahing, and that these miracles that he does points to him as Messiah. It validates him as Messiah. The second one is that not only points to him as the Messiah, but it confirms who he is as the Son of God. He was God with people walking around. Again, they point to him, the Son of God. In another account, when Jesus walked on water and comes into the boat, the disciples are freaked out. And they say, surely this guy is the Son of God. And so he was Messiah and he was Son of God. And these things confirm it. They confirm and show who he is. They point to that for those who can see. Now that question was raised all the time. Well, is he the son of God? The gospels are full of people doubting and not sure. But this is what we see, that they confirm it. Now Jesus had authority. And this is something I just want to look at for a moment over those things. Jesus had authority over nature When he spoke to the storm, he calmed it with a word. He spoke to sickness, the leper, who had authority over sickness to bring healing to people. He spoke, had authority over sin, the paralytic. He said, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus hadn't even died on the cross. He could already forgive sins. Because he was God. He could restore people, renew relationship in them and God. And demonic powers, those oppressed, the guys in the tombs, were set free with the word because he had authority over the demonic realm. Jesus had complete authority over this and he was exercising that to show the will and the heart of God. So what does this mean for us today? Great, Jesus did miracles. Well done, Jesus. Good on you. Well, actually, they didn't stop with Jesus. Some scholars have tried to explain away miracles, in fact, that they were of the sort of just natural phenomena going on. But again, I I don't find that perspective compelling. Others have said, well, maybe there was stuff going on back then in the church or whatever, but not now. Those things don't happen anymore. But again, I would have to disagree. We see in the, the story of the early church, the Acts, in the book of Acts, Many miracles carrying on. Miracles being worked of healing, of deliverance that the church is doing. We are called as God's people to be anointed and appointed to do the stuff, the ministry of Jesus that does include seeing healing and seeing miracles happen. Now, to be honest with you, if we'd have more time, I'd love to say, right, who's ever seen a miracle or not? And I wouldn't expect many hands to go up. Miracles are rare, they're a grace of God. But here's some final thoughts we believe in miracles today we do believe in the power of the kingdom of God to break in supernaturally and at times with a a miracle something that can't be explained any other way and we believe that and we know that to be true and we have stories where that has happened rare though they are and we should seek miracles sometimes the Bible said sometimes you don't get it because you don't ask for it or it can be painful if you've been seeking for a miracle, maybe for yourself or maybe for a loved one, someone in desperate need, where actually only a miracle of God would turn things around and it hasn't happened. And that can be really painful for us, even this kind of talk. I don't want to be glib, is, is sort of saying, oh yeah, we're being casual about miracles, we can't be casual about it. But actually for some people that's a really painful topic to talk about because of how you have pursued that, gone after it. I I really want to acknowledge that, that it's not easy with it. And again, we recognise we don't always see the answers that we long for and pray for. Miracle work is a gifting of the Holy Spirit. It's actually a work of the the Spirit in our lives. Some people seem to have a, a gifting, a supernatural gifting, that God uses in the church to minister and bless people. A book that I've found really helpful is a book called Miracle Work by Jordan Seng, an American pastor who writes really helpfully, really practically around supernatural ministry and how we can be equipped and grow in it. And um, yeah, you've got to go for it, really. You've got to be like full of Jesus, loving life, and wanting to love people and see things happen. It's not easy. You have to be on the front foot around these things. And so, uh, but I really encourage you. It's an easy read, and I've, I found it really helpful. Miracle Work by Jordan Singh. So, to conclude, Miracles. I believe it. No, I believe in miracles. And um, I see the kingdom is, isn't just miracles. Okay? Some people just kind of go for the miracles and the supernatural kind of wowy bits. And that's a, that's a poor theology. It's a poor look at what the kingdom of God is like. It's far broader and deeper and bigger and harder and better and more wonderful and more elusive and more mysterious and more noble than we could know. But miracles are in there and the supernatural work of God. But really, if we're going to see Jesus and actually see the kingdom of God break into our midst, then actually for us, I think one of the key areas is faith as a community. Do we create a culture, an atmosphere, a place of faith that we believe in Jesus and who he is? Do we see him rightly enough? Do we hold him and believe what he says about himself? To his church to be true how do we carry that we need authority as well we need to be able to stand in that just as Jesus had authority he gives authority to us his authority so when we pray for healing or anything like that we pray in the name of Jesus in the authority of Jesus I'm praying this not in my authority but the authority of Jesus who reigns over all and has handed that to us in the church And as we respond to how God works, we don't do it to make us look good, but we we want to respond in faith to him. So we're just going to take a moment and Dave's going to come up and just help us lead a little bit of time just to respond to Jesus this morning in faith. That's the plan. Is that all right? Come up, O wise one, and lead us.